Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast, episode number 108. A talk with Merrill Sport, president of the Hunt Channel, part one. Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way that'll help us take our hunt to the next level. Hi, this is Carl Drake, pro staffer with Realtree Outdoors. And this is Adam Vinatieri with the Indianapolis Colts. And you're listening to our favorite deer hunting podcast, the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. This is Gordon Whittington, Editor-in-Chief at North American Whitetail Magazine, and you're about to listen to another great episode of the Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast. Hey everyone, this is Zach Doyle with the Rack Packer Outdoors, and you're listening to my favorite podcast of all time, the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Podcast. Welcome to the show. This is Jay Scott, your host of the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I know it's early. Just rolled out of bed. It's like 4.15 in the morning. Oh, man, what a morning. People wake up. It is the Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast. We got up early this morning, 4.15 a.m. We are on the mics this Saturday, the 25th. It's, it's, uh, I love getting up before the sun rises. It's just one of those things I enjoy in life. I'm about a pot deep in coffee, and I'm ready to rock and roll, Jay. All caffeined up, ready to go. <laughs> Absolutely. Rock and roll. Big, huge day ahead of me. You do have a big day. Where are you going today? I'll be in Columbus, Ohio at uh, Cabela's. I'm going to team up with uh, Mike and uh, Red from the Up North Journal. Uh, I'm doing a uh, special guest appearance and, and going to do a little co-hosting on the Up North Journal podcast this, this, today. That's pretty exciting. Absolutely. You know, it's it's uh, one of the things where it's, I'm always, uh, always honored that uh, people ask us to come on as a guest host and, and hang out with them. And uh, it's going to be a pretty cool experience to be at Cabela's there in Columbus and meeting up with a lot of people. And if you got time and you're close by and you want to meet up with, uh, with me there at uh, Columbus Cabela's here at uh, around, I'll be there around noon. And uh, assumingly I'll be there till about 4.30 PM today. That's awesome, man. That's um, going to be a long day for you. It's going to be like 12 yeah. hours by the time you get out of there, you've been up for forever. That's very cool. So, um, I just got back from the Northeast Big Butt Club annual bank banquet down in Chicopee, Massachusetts. Yeah, hanging out with Michael Montgomery. Michael Montgomery. Yeah, we're hanging out with uh, his big gnarly looking rack buck that he shot. That's just a monster. It's just huge. But I got to hang out with with Mike for a while, and it, we had a lot of fun. I got to meet some of his his buddies from the military and. Um, specifically, uh, hung out with Mike and his girlfriend, Jessica, uh, John Morrissey and, and his girlfriend, Angela, Keith Hunt and his wife, Michelle and Chris Haskins. Um, and it, it was, you can tell these guys have been together for a while cause they were beating up on Mike pretty bad for anything. Uh, and that's what happens when you shoot a big buck like Mike's, you know, it is, you know, it's, what are you going to do? Mike's got, yeah, got all to deal with that. That's part of it. I know. So it was kind of it was an interesting event because 
Um, it was an award ceremony for all the bucks that were recognized through submission to the Northeast Big Buck Club. And I met Jeff Brown, one of the founders. Very, very nice guy. Um, they put on a great show. The food was fantastic, I have to say, which is not always the case at these banquets when you have to feed 400 people. But it was actually really good. Um, we got an introduction to every single person with a spotlight. Um, they toned the room down to a, a dark with a spotlight on each person they were given an award to. And they basically just went around the room, explained a little bit about how the buck was captured or, or shot and um, kind of the backstory behind each buck. So it was kind of interesting. And they had uh, they had auctions going on, and I didn't win a thing. Mike won a bunch of stuff, and actually I tried to steal his um, rangefinder, but he caught me. So what am I going to do about that? <laughs> That's funny. Yep. Yeah, and uh... – Shout out to Michael Montgomery, and, and sorry that I couldn't make it up there this year. And, man, something that uh, I don't like to miss, but uh, that's just the way the cards played. Yep, it, you know, it happens that way. But I went down and represented for the Big Buck podcast, Dusty, and uh, hopefully I didn't embarrass us too much. Awesome. But I had a great time with hanging out with Mike and his crew. Very cool. You know, Jay, we just uh, ended the season with the Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast T-Ball team. Really? How'd we do? Oh, man. We was winners all the way through. That's awesome. I, I love that we had T-shirts and, and you actually, you know, baseball. I love baseball. I mean, it's just one of my favorite things of all time. And uh, to have a sponsorship, and thanks to you, Dusty, for putting that together and having the Big Buck podcast on the T-shirts of some young ladies and men that were giving it their all, so to speak. Yeah, it's definitely a cool experience and uh, very fortunate that I was able to coach them and, and you know, put together a sponsorship with uh, you and myself. And, man, it was just a great experience all around and, and be able to uh, put your name on a great group of young individuals like that. That You know, that that's our future. And, and you know, we want uh, everybody to know that we support uh, the, the young hunters that are up-and-comers. And, and kids will carry that with them for a lifetime that they, they were sponsored by – a hunting group. Absolutely. I love it. And, uh, you know, I, it's just another way to to get the message out about hunting that it goes much further than just shooting a deer. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yep. You know, it's one of the things where, you know, I think that some of the parents didn't understand quite what hunting was all about. And I was able to educate uh, parents about uh, what we do and, and how we educate our listeners and, and how much information that we bring in for everybody. And, and we, we share that. It's one big family, you know. And thanks again to all the listeners that tune in with us every week. Yes, I can't thank you enough. In fact, I'd like to put a special uh, shout-out to Michael Standard, who did donate to the Big Buck podcast this past week. So thank you to Michael. Uh, and if you'd like to donate yourself, there are two places you can do it. You can pledge or donate. Donate is bigbuckregistry.com forward slash donate. And the pledge is bigbuckregistry.com forward slash pledge. Um, so I, you must be all pumped up on your caffeine by now. I know I'm starting to feel it. And <laughs> absolutely. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about television. Now, in the TV world of outdoors, of the outdoors, you have the outdoor channel. You have the sportsman's channel. You have the Pursuit Channel, and you have the Hunt Channel. And the Hunt Channel is the newcomer on the block. And I wanted to dig in more about how the TV industry works for the outdoors because it's kind of unique. And when I say it's unique is that I always heard that you had to pay to be on TV. 
and that it was hard to get into and that you better have some money behind you. And I've learned by speaking to the president of the Hunt Channel, who was one of the former owners of the Pursuit Channel, that that's not necessarily the case. And that's one of the things that he's developed over at the Hunt Channel and talk a lot about the the future of the Hunt Channel and how they are looking every day for new talent to go on to their network. And they're really focused on digital, like Roku and Apple and that kind of thing, because they think that's part of the future of television as we know it today. And I have to agree. So I thought we should get Merrill on the line and go deep into how it all works, the ins and outs, everything you ever wanted to know about starting your own TV hunting show is what we cover with Merrill. And you're going you're gonna to get a real heavy dose of what it's really like in this show. Absolutely. You know, and speaking of TV, Jay, let's not forget to remind the people that, uh, you know, you may just may hear our voice on the Sportsman's Channel. Yes, because we did some voiceover work for the Rack Packer, courtesy of Keith and Zach Doyle, and they asked us to do a little voiceover. So if you do hear that that commercial air on the Sportsman's Channel, would you mind shooting us an email? And uh, Jay at BigBuckRegistry.com, just let me know that you saw that television spot so without further ado let's get merrill sport on the line let's do it jay merrill sport welcome to the big buck registry's big buck deer hunting podcast how's it going i'm doing fine how are you i'm doing quite well thanks appreciate it so where do you call home merrill uh alabama alabama now what's going on in alabama right now anything anything exciting it is hot Hot. It is hot in Alabama right now and humid. Hot Bama. Gotcha. And, and what do you do to, to, to kind of kill off the, the heat? Do you care about it if you're living in or does it, doesn't it matter? Well, you, you kind of get used to it, but uh, it doesn't mean you like it, but you get used to it. Yeah. Uh, is it uh, an air conditioning type environment or do you just kind of deal with it? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Everybody, it's a it's a crisis if the air conditioner goes out. Interesting. And then there's a lot of people that work outside in the heat, and they they adapt to it. Gotcha. Oh, is you know I'm from living in the the northern part of the country, so it's it's cooler here most of the time, and I don't really have to experience it that that much. It's really for... the humidity that gets us so bad down here because right. uh, it can be if it's ninety or hundred down here, that's uh, that's a lot hotter than. 120, 110 out in Phoenix and Vegas and all, because we travel, you know, out there pretty regular for the trade shows and all. Gotcha. I'd rather be out there at 110 than here at 90. Good point. No, there's, the humidity is, is just brutal. When you're just dripping from... from yeah, it's just sticky. It's just it's, yuck. It's, I mean, you just start sweating for no reason. Right. <laughs> so, Merrill, you, uh, you're part of the TV industry. And yeah, sure. I asked you to join us because... You you are part of a TV network that is much it's unique and it's it's more successful than some of the other situations or other networks that we've noticed and it's it's an interesting story so I was wondering if you could kind of tell us how you got into the the TV industry in the first place. Well, you know, I've, I've been in the industry, the outdoor industry, for over thirty two years. Okay, and. Uh, so, so what happened is, uh, at the time, I was had, had a stint with uh, an early rep group. Uh, when I started in the early 80s, a couple of rep groups. And uh, then I had some in-laws, uh, Fix Incorporated, out here in Luke Arm, which are a wholesale distributor of outdoor products, guns, 
and ammo and you know all kind of fall and spring goods, fish and tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I, I came inside, basically in the family business, and stayed inside as a as a buyer with all these outdoor products for ten or twelve years as a vice president and sales manager, and, and put them in the first uh, dealer trade show back in '92. So uh, stayed with them for about ten or eleven years, and I got the itch to get back on the road. Well, during that process, basically about in 1992. Uh, my former partner at the Pursuit Channel, Rusty Falk, uh, come to me and we decided that we would produce a TV show. He had the production abilities and did all the personality stuff and I did the financing and the sponsorships and raised all the money. So in addition to being, have been in the, in the rep business and then been in the wholesale buying end of it, I was also his executive producer and would get sponsorships and sell them sponsorships and run, take free goods and run it through Hicks Incorporated. We had a pretty good little system going, but it's got to be where it was too expensive to have. We'd be back on uh, Fox uh, Sports South yep. back in the old days. And right. Gosh, it was still $47,000, you know, <laughs> a, uh, a quarterback then, and, and that's back in the early 90s. And it just got, and then we run on the outdoor channel. We were one of the earlier shows that, that would even buy ads from Wade Sherman back in the old days from the outdoor channel. But sooner or later, I got, I got to be a place where little kids didn't play. And uh, that's Thus, we went into a meeting with uh, Mike Cooley through his group on the Sportsman Channel, but we passed on an opportunity. Rusty and I did. We passed on that opportunity. Okay. Uh, because we thought the business model was the same in the outdoor channel, and, and it was at the time, and, and we didn't think that if you're going to protest something, we didn't thought, we didn't think it made a lot of sense to protest it and then copy them. Uh, but they've had some good fortune along the way, and now they're strong, and, and they're owned by the same people. So anyway... But that's where it come from. We just said, hey, enough of us just couldn't afford that. And, and through the trade shows and all the industry connections and all, we said, man, we get, we need our own network. And that's when we got started. And that's when the Pursuit Channel was formed in July of 2007 and launched in May of 2008. And it's one of the largest out there available now. Gotcha. Uh, it's the lowest price to the three, and it's in over 40 million homes. So I sold out of that in December. 2012, and then I launched January 2013. I launched the Hunt Channel, which is a smaller version. It's got uh, we do uh, outdoor television blocks with our partner, Angel Two Network, which have channel 266 on Dish, and we have some prime time blocks, what we call breakfast blocks, and that allows us to sell to buy and sell airtime to producers uh, and take care of new new people wanting to get in the industry. Um, we're the cheapest part of their business model. Okay. You know, producers got a business model and they got uh, three expenses there pretty much and it's uh, their travels and the airtime and then the editing. That's their three expenses. <laughs> Our airtime is cheaper uh, than their traveling costs and their editing. So, we basically got to we have a prime time, we have prime time blocks but we have interlevel blocks for the AM people. And prime time is used for the uh, some of the up and coming shows. They're getting some good experience and good exposure. They can afford a six ninety five a week rate, and it's also used as an additional thing. A lot of people on other platforms and other networks they want to pick up another thirty million eyeballs, and, and uh, over half of it being uh, internet based through the Roku boxes and Amazon Fire TVs to attract the younger audience. And they can, for another seven hundred dollars a week, they can add another uh, thirty million homes the resume of their um, portfolios. Sure. Okay. So Merle, we got ourselves in a position to be either or to people. Okay. 
Merrill, can we break that down a little bit more? Tell me more about the the business model of Outdoor Channel and Sportsman's Channel. What is the, how do they look at things? How do they drive revenue? Okay, they got what they do is the outdoor industry as a whole is not very large, and that's why you see the Outdoor Channel uh, trying to change their business model and do more production, more reality live shows, uh, more independent, uh, more tight reality shows, and just keeping the hardcore, the the big guys. I mean. You see it downsizing outdoor, but increasing so they can tap into more non-endemic. But the two business models basically with outdoor sportsmen is, is the cable companies are the subscribers of these cable companies. They have to charge them. They own a, a pay for play. So there's only two ways you can do it. You can provide your content free to the cable subscription or to the people, and, or you can buy it by pursuit. And, and Hunt Channel, we buy airtime and resell it. Now, that gives us a good opportunity to grow. That's why Pursuit is at over 40 million homes, because they're paying for airtime on sportsmen and outdoor. The people pay them. Uh, so okay. they pay them for their content, just like they would any other syndicated pros. So they're in a unique situation, but they have the veteran shows, want to spin around well, just got more established identity in the business. Okay, so, so it's hard for entry level shows to afford those six or seven thousand dollar a week rates. You so, know, so to, in the three or four thousand dollar a week and we're six hundred and ninety five dollars. All right, so if you broke it down, if you okay. wanted to have an a TV show, an outdoor TV show, if you wanted to be on the sportsman's channel or the outdoor channel, you have to pay them Per week, or generally That's speaking, right. there's a contract that you have to write up. Correct. And it's to the two. Pay them for that airtime. Pay them for the airtime. And it's about $6,000 per per week, yep. roughly. And Per week. Yes, sir. Okay. And do you get to pick which day you're going to be on, what time you're going to be on, or do they dictate uh, that you, to you? You get to, negoti- you get to negotiate that. Uh, okay. The closer you get to the 9 o'clock prime time, the higher the rates are. If you're later... 11 o'clock is not as expensive as 9 o'clock, and, and 6 o'clock is not as expensive as 9 o'clock. Okay. So everything's relevant on the night of the week and the time of the night in prime time. It's still, it's still good, better, and best okay. when you're dealing from 7 to 11, Monday through Sunday. So prime. So, what is prime time? What does that mean? Pretty much prime time. I call prime time recliner time. Right. It's pretty much when everybody is in at night time and they're the ends of the evening, they've had their supper or their dinner. We call it supper down here in the country, but sure. proper terminology of dinner is your last big meal of the day, the one you need to be working out after you eat. <laughs> but uh, gotcha. <laughs> once you leave once you leave the table and you go get in that recliner, it's prime time then. <laughs> it's prime time. All right. So it's right prime after, time is recliner time. Right after supper. It's, it, yep. So it's pretty much 7 to 11. Seven to eleven. All right. So, and is that every day of the week, or is that just the certain days of the week? That's every day of the week, but they have better days than others. Okay. What's the best day, prime time, generally speaking? I like I like Thursday nights. Okay. But I think Wednesday night could be good because, it, in my position, if you're selling, you need to pay attention to what your competition is doing and what, for example, Tuesday nights is tough to sell against because that's always been a big night on the outdoor channel. Okay. You know, with their, their premium shows. Um, so 
a lot of times what's the best for you is not necessarily best for somebody else because when people, when the old 800 pound gorilla has been there for so long and, and they got a toehold on certain shows on certain nights and other people know it's going to come on and you can leave your DVR, change it, or record that for two years in a row, you know, you, you better have a, a better package for that night and offer. Of course, DVRs, now, thank goodness, they help us all, you know, in a way. And it helps everybody, the producer, the shows, and the programming, because now you've got a, a two or three options out there, and you can only watch one, but you can record the others. But, you know, that's that comes into a lot of play on the first run. A lot of the, the big shows, uh, depending on what network they own, they're aware of who the show is or that they compete against, and... You know, some like to go head-to-head, and some will pick a different night. So okay. that's all in the eyes of the beholder of who's buying the airtime. So and that's why everybody negotiates their own thing. All right. And these are... They to stay pretty close to the regular time they've been in so they can get people, you know, trained to come to them. And this is all based off a statistical analysis that the the TV channel themselves can monitor based off That's of, right. and how do they, the large, and see the larger shows also can afford the, the Nielsen ratings and the different types of ratings. And, and that's one reason for their high prices because those are not expensive. Those things can run you ten, fifteen thousand dollars a month for those ratings. You know, okay. uh, that price has got to be priced on to somebody. Well, $15,000, half my airtime costs for a month. Right. So, um, you know, that's just not my clientele right now. How do they know what what the, how do they know what people are watching? I, I guess it's by the uh, the Nielsen ratings that go by where the, where the networks are monitoring. You know how many people are on that channel. Um, mostly that's why we push a lot of the uh, we like being one of the smaller networks and up and coming and off in a different niche for everybody. Um, you know that's why we push Amazon and um, Roku. And we do our online stuff that we can track from our website and all. Because all of those entities, uh, those digital entities like that, through the Internet, our website, we can get numbers for that. We know what's clicking on it. We These people know that. Right. And uh, you can get that kind of viewing data. Like we know we're getting 50 or 60,000 views a week from our website and our Roku because we can get that data. But we know people are watching Roku. Now we launched just today, we launched our Amazon Fire TV and we'll be watching that tomorrow. Uh be talking with them tomorrow to try to get an estimated number of boxes that they have in the industry. Okay. Uh, Apple TV's number one is around 20 million. The last reported Roku numbers, which they report over 10 million boxes, but we know it's greater than that because that number was from October 2014, and they hadn't published a new one yet. So I'm sure that we'll probably get a new a new number from Roku uh, at the end of uh, September. Gotcha. This year, you know, we'll probably get a new number. Okay, let's go back to um, the Pursuit Channel for a little bit. Uh, so okay. it, it was you and Rusty that that yes, started Rusty this. Falk. Rusty Falk. And yeah, we had Rusty Falk outdoors, and yes. Rusty and I started the Pursuit Channel. Gotcha. And. Uh, what was it like back then? I mean, how did how does how did two guys that are kind of floating around the outdoor industry decide that this is a good idea? I mean, Rusty was in TV before you came uh, aboard, correct? Uh, he was doing a little stuff, a little uh, local show with Red Holland, and uh, you know, was barely making ends because it just didn't pay much, and he's having to run around and sell stuff at the little gas station, a little weekly rates and stuff. And he come to me when I was working at Higgs. We were friends from, from way back. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, I, I, want, I want to talk to you about this. And like a long story short, we got together and uh, 
when I got Mr. Wise, and I called a friend of mine at uh, Norman Lewis, Bobby Dennis, and Mr. Wise talked to Lawson Richards and some folks out at Zepto. And then we called our friend Wes Campbell up in uh, True Turn Hooks and Diachi. And then the next thing we know, we had Robin Shower, Bass Assassin. And we had him about four sponsors that each one of them quadrupled, each one of them matched his annual revenue. So we got started right there one afternoon at Hicks Incorporated, and we took a lot of product from those vendors, and Mr. Wise helped out, and, um, and that's how we got started. All right, so you create this this channel. Uh, yes, what was the plan at that point to to put it on regular cable TV and, and uh, dish right. TV? Well, yeah, exactly. It was just on the uh, regular TV. Uh, we had, um, we, uh, Rusty and I had secured and talked to these this group of people that had been involved in this other network. And at the time, we didn't have the credit nor the money to put up for a direct TV channel. You had to put up about 300000 to get a channel of deposit. So okay. we ended up leasing uh, parts of a channel from a group um, in Phoenix. So we subleased a channel to start off with, and uh, and that's what we did. We ended up buying airtime, and then we went out and saw our friends. We've been in the business a long time, so we hit the floor running. Uh, I had myself and Mark Corcoran at the time, who was a former employee at the Outdoor Channel, and um, Rock Mann, who, who hit, was very instrumental in helping us with uh, sell producers or TV shows, and we hit the floor running out there. And you know, I'm proud to say that some of the shows that helped launch Pursuit Channel, like Pat and Nicole uh, Reeves with Driven and Jeff uh, Danker with Major League Bowhunter. Sure. And uh, you know, some of those major shows today that are very successful. I mean, these guys back then rallied behind our efforts to establish something that we were in hopes would would get these rates in check, you know, get them in line by offering an auction. And that that's really was a whole success to get our story out there and get enough people signed up. And we had a group, those guys spearheaded a group of about 20 producers. And then we had a group of about 20 producers. And and we started out, and next thing we know, our second year, we had a hundred well over 100 producers running with us at half price of, of outdoor channel and sportsman channel rates. Gotcha. And that was the only thing we had is that, hey, we were trying to give you more eyeballs for less money, so you had an opportunity to make a dollar stay in business because airtime rates have gotten so high, you know? Gotcha. Every joke. And there's only so many of those big guys that's going to write these $100,000 checks for sponsorships. There's just so many of those. But uh, really, we were very fortunate in that a, that a good group of, of talented producers like Pat and Nicole, you know, that now are, are some of the industry's icons. You know, you go to the trade show now, you see them posted all over knock-on stuff. And sure. They're speaking. And, and all of them guys, if it hadn't been for them, would never been a Pursuit Channel. And then... We got a little momentum with them, and then that's when uh, Topsy Hayes with Moss Yoke stepped up to the plate and brought all the Moss Yoke shows with us. Gotcha. And they're still hamming, it's under Moose Media, they're still hamming all the advertising for the network. You know, you're dealing with a camouflage company that's got hundreds of licensees, okay? Well, they, they just had a built-in uh, customer base right there that needed advertising, you know, on TV. So, you know, you got to give kudos to, to Toxie Hayes and Cuz and all those guys and Dennis Presley because 
man, they saw an opportunity that was really, that there was no numbers to validate it or do anything. They saw an opportunity to be a part of a vision, and they took it and ran with it. And, uh, and they're still running Pursuit to this day. They don't own any of Pursuit, but they're the, the lifeline to Pursuit because their agency sells all the programming, handles all the grids or who wears when and how much they pay. And then on top of that, they fill in the holes and they sell all the advertising too. Okay. To the to the industry. So that's really how it got started is a, a group of, of pretty good VIP people that are the industry leaders today, uh, just said, Hey, enough is enough. We got to we got to try to band together anyway for a couple of years to see if we can do something because we just all can't keep paying these rates and stay in this business. Gotcha. So good old supply and demand is really what it is. Good old supply and demand. I was just gonna say that. So this was an very much based on an economical need. That the industry it was it one hundred percent based on economical need. Russ and I couldn't stay in the business. Now I still had a good job, but you know I, I've been with Rusty. I, I've watched his little boy Austin who now works with him at the Pursuit Channel. But Austin couldn't hardly stand up between my legs when when Rusty and I took, took this thing over, and uh, it's provided a good living for him and his household now from where he was in the beginning back in '92. So, uh, but it's it's one hundred percent. Economics, and I, I think what we did not only for ourselves, but for a lot of other people, we changed the way of life and give them opportunities. And that's really what I'm trying to do with the Hunt Channel, even at a more entry level. Because Pursuit now with the Outdoor Channel beginning their downsize and moving more into mainstream, they're moving some shows over to Sportsman Channel, and either. We're going to get some shows next year in 2016 from the Sportsman's Channel, or they may move to the Pursuit Channel, and then some of the shows from Pursuit, they can't keep up with the rates now. In other words, it's just moving from outdoor to Sportsman to Sportsman and Pursuit. Outdoor is going to keep the ones they want that they're involved in, they're in the production end. You know, they, they keep in the mainstream and even have two or three shows, like a Jim Shockton and a Ted Nugent uh, Lee and Tiffany. I don't know. Excuse me. I'm not sure. It's Lee and Tiffany. Uh, I know Jim Shockey and um, Ted Nugent. Maybe I remember the third one they told me. But oh, Waddell. Waddell. They, okay. They have the. Um, they have a personality type contract with the Outdoor Channel. That's the only place you'll see those guys is on the Outdoor Channel. Gotcha. All right. So you won't even see them in a photography, and nobody else would do. So you got the Outdoor Channel kind of picking who they want. You've got the Sportsman, Sportsman's Channel. It's owned by the Outdoor Channel. Okay. They're moving. They're going to realign the Sportsman Channel to be the new Outdoor Channel. Okay. And then there's you, a king pin in the industry, and then you're going to have us in pursuit that's going to catch the fallout. And uh, gotcha. And you've got actually has more eyeballs in Sportsman and Outdoor. They're in over 40 million homes, but their rates and their rates are going up a little bit. So they'll we'll get some from Pursuit, but uh, and we'll get some from Sportsman. We're going to get the the bottom rate payers, but in the long run, it'll be good for them too to come to us because the money they're spending on the lower tiers with those two networks are going to put them in prime time for us. You know, they'll be able to buy prime time in a couple of hours a week and still be at 50 cents on the dollar. And, uh, you know, we get a, as soon as we get a satellite uplink where we can go out and start putting our program on about our goals, try to be in about, about another 10 million cable homes for, for the fall of 2016, that's going to put us in the 40 million market too. Okay. And uh, so, so that's our growth plan. But we're still, we still know where we rank on the totem pole. Uh, we're the, we're the entry level boys. Okay. We're the entry level. 
and or the, the economy, you know, the economy channel, but also by being having those rates established like that. But that also allows us, allows these other people to do If we can grow into those numbers, then it'll also allow some of the shows and programs that are running on Pursuit or Sportsman can also come in just by one air a week on us and increase that portfolio by over $30 million. So we can also be an add-on channel, too. Okay. You know, which so, we like to do that. We like to take some of those big-name shows and try to get them on that one air a week in prime time because it helps us with viewers as well. And we have a lot of viewers, for example, like Sportsman, but they don't have the Sportsman channel all. They don't have and can't air their program on a lot of the online distribution markets like the Roku and um, the Amazon Fire, Apple TV, or anything like that, you know. Because, right. like I said, there's only two business models. You either get paid for your content or you pay for your content, you know. Right. You can't have the best of both worlds. You can't. And, and that has restricted the sheer numbers and growth with sportsmen and outdoor because, again, it's economics. And a lot of smaller cable companies say, man, I just can't pay six and 12 cents or so for that channel when I can get pursuit and hunt free, you know, right. or they'll offer it out of cart in a higher package where if the viewer wants that, they pay the cable company more money for it. They run it out of cart, you see, because you have to pay those two outdoor sportsmen. You have to pay them for their content to watch their program. The cable companies do. And then they pass that on to the consumer, the customer. Say that again, Merrill. So the, okay. the sportsman channel, so there's, there's some people or some, Producers, some shows, or all of them, have to pay to be on Sportsman and Outdoors. Is that correct? That's exactly right. Everybody from hunt to outdoor on the producer side, the TV shows, is a pay-for-play. Okay. I mean, all of us are selling airtime. We're buying and selling airtime. Okay. It's all based on bandwidth off the satellites that the federal government controls. Okay. Now, you know, is, so, there, is there anybody that gets paid to be there? Well, the Sportsman... Uh, Yes, like Sarah Palin. Uh, there are different models out there for the established people, okay. like Waddell and Shockey, Jim Shockey and uh, Nugent and all. That's what I'm saying. Those are kind of network-owned shows. If they own those personalities and they own, you know, they own the production and all that stuff, and they pay those personalities for those to produce those shows, and they pay a, a salary plus. You know, I mean, it's hard to say what all they get. Nobody flaunts their salaries, so, you know, it's only speculation. But, okay. yes, they are some of them like that. Okay. But that, that's very rare. Now, I'm telling you, that's there's not 10% of them that get paid to be on TV. Okay. That's the exception to the rule is what you're saying. That's it. That, that, hey, that means you have arrived, and not many arrive in, a, in, in the play world. Okay. So that's who 8, 10% of the of the the people, but they all had to come from somewhere, right? They, That's they, right. They have to build their reputation. They have to build their viewership. There's a, there's a method to getting it out there. Now, not everybody's going to do that. But you that. know what I always say is, you know, it's the same fear as everything else is. It's what comes first, the chicken or the egg. And that's what we tell everybody that's wanting to get in the business with us. And they say, well, oh, I got, I got my own channel on YouTube. Well, so does 10,000 other people. Right. Okay. Who's going to find you under your name and watch your footage? Except somebody just doesn't have anything to do one night might run across it. And, and that's why we're trying to build a, a digital platform so that people can share social media with each other. And, you know, as you always heard, whether it's protection or safety or, you know, there's always safety in numbers, you know. And uh, so that's why you try to package people together so that maybe somebody watching somebody else's show 
if you can pull a hundred of them shows out of 10,000 and package them in a network under the name Hunt Channel, you're going to have a much, much more likely product to see in your, your show on the big screen. And that's the beauty of the internet platforms and all now with all the smart TVs. Uh, you, you have the appearance that you're on TV, you know, because those are running through internet boxes and internet devices or your online TVs and you can get on there and you can watch it on your TV. And, and that's where 28 to 30, you know, I have a daughter 29 and one's going to be 25. And I can tell you right now, if you ask them, if they was in a Jeopardy show and you ask them, what is a TV guide? They would look at you like, what are you talking about, TV guide? <laughs> right. They, it doesn't mind them what time the show comes on. Uh, my oldest daughter is a, a weightlifter and a, a CrossFit guru. Um, we gave her a Roku for Christmas, so she might go for a month and not do anything. Then one night she'll sit down and watch a, blast lit, a blacklist on ABC Video on Demand. She'll sit there and watch four episodes. Right. But she's got her blacklist fist, and they'll all do it together. Gotcha. But let me tell you something. That Millennium Group, they beat their own drums, buddy. Uh, TV doesn't mean anything to them. And right. so that's where, you know, we're sitting here with about 15 million of our subscribers is through internet and online and another 15 million with dish. So we're trying to walk that balance and you can do that because our content's provided free, like the Pursuit Channel is provided free. That's how it goes from zero to 40 because if you can make money, you can always buy more airtime and sell it. And see, that's that's the old chicken and the egg. If you got the money to buy more airtime, people, the producers, are paying for airtime because their avenues of revenue is their sponsorship dollars that they get for those sponsors. And those sponsors are weighing, well, can I do this show on this network or that show on that network? How many people seeing this show at this time list? And how many? So the networks are in competition through the producers on who can give the best return on the investment, whoever's got the best ROI. So that's kind of what drives me is I try to be the best value, not necessarily the biggest network. You know, uh, that, I try to leave the ego out of it. The ego will break you. If you have an ego, it'll get you sooner or later. All right. What do you mean That's by that? That's the last thing I do. I try to leave the ego out of it. I just want a sound business plan, and, you know, I want to give people the best bang for the buck. Okay. And I don't have a problem being the new kid on the block. Never has bothered me a challenge. Uh, you just have to keep delivering your message, delivering your message. You know, we're not from everybody. You know, you don't get in this business and think you're going to put somebody out of business. Not, not when you start out with half a million dollars. Uh, gotcha. The outdoor channel done sold twice, one time for two two twenty million and one time for one ninety million. So I promise you the hunt channel is not in the business to put the outdoor channel out of business. Uh, that that's not a good game plan. Okay. Or business model. So Merrill you know, I was just an opportunity for people that didn't get into business. So Merrill, if you've got a new channel that you have yes. and you know I, you're providing a value to producers, I, do you and and I guess it goes across the board. If you're collecting money and the the producers are paying you to be on your channel, do you care yes. about the talent that you put on there, or d- does that factor in at all? No, that doesn't factor in to me because everybody has to start from somewhere. Okay. Now, again, that is a big issue with the other networks. A lot of them even have templates that you have to follow which costs you more money to find quality editors to follow those templates. In other words, they may tell you, we want uh, two minutes of action here, or four minutes of action here. We want the commercial break at, first commercial break at six minutes and 15 seconds. Well, 
when you have all those demands on you, you've got to have a seasoned editor that knows how you're trying to work audio, you're trying to work music, you're trying to work video, you're trying to make it stop and flow. A lot of times, how many times on these programs have you seen and, and you're thinking to yourself, if you don't understand this industry, why did they quit then? They just about take the shot. It was just getting good. Right. And they took a commercial break. Well, then when they come back on the air, guess what you see? Same thing again. Right. You have to go back and rerun that 30 seconds to bring you right back into the drum roll. See, those are templates and those are hardships, but it requires more experienced editors. It requires better editing, more production, more cameras, more angles, you know, and that's not my market. So we're easy to do business with. I use, I use, so to keep the edit cost down, we use our commercial breaks, our three, two minutes commercial breaks. We let our producers use them to their advantage. In other words, they get stuck editing or something or get, you know, something runs out and the, and the music goes and, and everything looks like, oh, man, that's a good place. It just hit a wall. Well, guess what? We'll rescue you with that two-minute break, you see, and then you can come back up and your footage can be able to completely be relocated another set somewhere else. So little things like that that, that we do by not telling them they got to do it this way or that way, we know what our role is. We know we're the entry level, and it takes time. And that editing is very expensive. The production end, the quality of the production, a lot of people like that. But I think the quality of the footage to our market, if you've got a good a good shot, a good uh, kill shot, if you've got, you know, a good footage of some unique action and all, I think a lot of our a lot of our audience likes the footage and don't critique the editing quite as bad. Okay. But now that's just my opinion. You know, footage is king because the larger shows go to places all over the world and people just sit there at all at some of the footage they get. Uh, I would I would tell them that I would watch that footage, whether it was high class or a little blurry or whatever it is, I, I would watch it because I enjoy seeing that fellow take that bull elk up on the ram, chase a ram, I'll be on a safari. You know, I'm, I'm watching the footage. I love the footage, what I like. Right, okay. So there's ways that you can do things to help people because you put we just put less demands on them because we know who our customer is. We know who our producer is. And a lot of them are just learning how to, and listen, they're just learning how to put music up and down, you know, drama music and, and easygoing music. They're learning how to get, try to make the flute play with the film, you know. So right. to, to tell them when to cut it off and when to cut it back on, a lot of our people aren't there yet. But but again, that's why a lot of these people, those type shows, uh, charge more for sponsorship because they're on the bigger networks. And, you know, they, their expenses are higher as well. Okay. You know, because it takes somebody that knows what he's doing with that, that editing system to so, stop and stop, you know, on demand. Right. So on the Hunt Channel, do, do you give your producers a format to follow? They have a format. We tell them pretty much you have an opening and then you have a, you know, you just do your little opening. We give them a little uh, spreadsheet opening that says, hey, do your little opening, do your intro to what the show's going to be about. Then you got a two-minute commercial break and that's where you put your four sponsors and then you come back and uh, do some more show footage and then you put another two-minute break when you get... So they know they got three two-minute breaks, which is that covers eight. That's four minutes is theirs, and and then four minutes that's eight thirty-second spots. So they can sell eight sponsors. Gotcha. To, okay. To cover, to the money to cover their three expenses. Well, 
then the last two minutes is just a black hole. So when they turn that into us, they have to tell us on the timeline, okay, at 2615, you know, at 2615 on this 26-80, a two-minute black hole, and then we do closing, you see. Or they may say us at 25. And see, that's the thing that we allow them to do. We don't tell them when to do that. They just got to have three two-minute black holes, and they fill up two of them, and the other one's black. So the network puts in commercial inventory. That's how people buy commercials from us. Okay. You see? So we, we have two minutes in each of our shows. Okay. So That's our other avenue of revenue is commercial sales as well as producer or show sales. Oh, okay. So you're selling some spots yourself as the channel. That's and right. You're selling spots to your producers to get their... their we sell the producers... 30-minute spots, and or actually 28-30, and then we sell advertising in 30-second slots gotcha. because we like to have a nighttime block, you know, with the opening and closing 15 seconds the night, you know, like on Thursday nights. Ours is on Thursday nights. We have Double K Jerky, you know, where tonight's program is brought to you by Double K Jerky, and they're going to get a 30-second commercial in that two minutes we got. So we give that away with the people that are sponsoring night blocks. So we have certain things like that that we give away, or we might be uh, doing a giveaway or something. So we keep two minutes in each show Okay. Uh, for night blocks and for sponsorships and for giveaways and whatever we need to do. Okay. Do you, let, let's say I'm a brand-new producer, but I've got so – I'm, I'm inspired to be on a television show. Or on a TV network, and I want to. I yeah. want to find a place. You're saying that you're the best value out there right Absolutely. now. What? You've got so much to learn, and you can even start with us. We even have a digital platform now that will give you a video on demand in prime time. You store your stuff in a library under your logo on a website, so you and your buddies can sit down one night and go to our website and watch six of your shows. We store it for you, and, uh, and or you, we loop it for you about four times on Amazon and Roku. So we have over 15-plus million homes through Internet and online on a digital platform that we call it's our digital network. We launched it this year. It's new for 2015. Okay. And we do it for $75 a week. Oh, wow. That, that lets everybody get on the big screen. That. That's what I'm telling you. That's the difference. Now you can be a part of 75 or 80 shows on a digital platform that has a national blueprint name and advertisement to it that will help you have a place to solicit. As you get more and more on TV and get polished up and do better, you know, the next thing you can do, you can step up to 325 and add another 15 million dish homes and, and be an AM spot, be an AM stuff, you know. Okay. By AM spot, and then you go from AM to PM. Okay. And and eventually, you know, once you get polished up, and if you've got good footage and you're doing a good job, then you're gonna start landing bigger and better sponsors. So there's nothing nothing common. We've already had some shows that started with us that moved up to the Pursuit Channel because they're the only other one out there that's got the same business model. All right. So let they me the outdoor channel is forcing to really need a channel that has a different business model. And uh, and then they would be dangerous if they had if they had another network that could grow without restrictions to limited to people paying them for their content you know without economics that they could grow in then they would they would be tough you know but right now pursuit and hunt is the only one that can grow households because we can just go out there and buy them outdoor channel sports channel the revenue they have if they was in a position with a network hell they could go out and buy 40 million homes in six months and 
could be tough. Right. You know? So let me summarize this a little bit. You've got a situation where you've got a completely digital platform that you could take pretty much any comer and give them an opportunity for some brand new editor, doesn't know really what they're doing, has some camera experience, can kind of tell a story sort of, but you can give them a spot. And they've got to bring, most likely, they they can either pay out of their own pocket at $75 a week because that's... that's exactly what you better be for plan to do in this business. Because again, like I said, it's, it's what comes first, chicken of the egg. But that's only seven hundred nine hundred seventy-five dollars a quarter. Right. So there's not a lot of people on a credit card wouldn't try that to get out there to chase a dream. Right. Right. You that, see, that's worth a thousand dollars to separate yourself from seventy-five shows with a national branded network, as opposed to ten thousand YouTube channels out there. Right. That's a start. That's a start for somebody. That's the starting place. Nobody can touch that. Right. That's the starting place. So, and then if you develop, and I would assume at some point you'd want to bring some sponsors in to help you pay for that. Sure. And then, that's right. And then when do you decide to move them up to the ranks of the other spot that you have on the the, the Dish Network? When when do you decide that it's We time? don't. You don't. We don't. That's their decision. They can stay on the digital they, they may hit a home run and get a big sponsor and say, hey, I want to stay on Hunt Town Digital, but I want to buy Pursuit Channels, $40 million too. Now, now I'm in $55 million. I've got the, the best network, the little guy network that's doing all the digital stuff, you know, that's really chasing that market hard for me. I've got that and the video on demand and the library online, the video on demand, and i got $40 million Pursuit, so I had $75 to the Pursuit Channel. Gotcha. All right, so, so you, can't, you can't beat it. So you could do the Hunt Channel digital, and the, does does the Hunt Channel have a contract with national TV providers like like the uh, Dish Network or Directv? We do have one with Dish, yes, sir. Okay, it's Angel too. So you could say, uh, as a producer, all right, I'm ready to step up to the the Dish Network through the Pursuit Channel. I could say that, or I mean, or through the Hunt Channel, I could say, all right, we've been doing right. doing pretty good on digital. I just landed a big sponsor, Merrill. I want to go up another level i want to go on big the big time uh broadcast and you would so say they could go to 275 uh, it'd be a tuesday morning they can go for 275 or 300 between 7 and 9 a.m in a weekday morning slot okay and then do you decide are you the decision maker at that point to say we want to move you to the the p.m because you're doing so well or is that just another bump up and well if they've got a good show we might recommend them and ask them how they're doing you know because like i said we're producers i mean everybody that started with me in the with the pursuit channel that's working with me now i had hired them at the pursuit channel when i was chief operating officer okay and uh so my group came with me and rusty and his family stayed with him uh at the Pursuit channel, but we basically have the two business models. Except my market again is entry level and and digital is what we're chasing. Okay. And um, then like I said, you can run on other networks and run with me if it's not a conflict with the other networks. Now sometimes uh, Sportsman Channel and Outdoor would have exclusivity runs where they would restrict the people buying airtime from them to run on another channel with without doing this at the same time. In other words, they want first runs. But that's okay with us because our viewers, and especially our online and our digital viewers with the internet bosses, have never seen that programming footage. So they can run the network on the sports on the outdoor channel. And then the second year, when they're putting another show up with them, let's just say what they're running this year 
on outdoor sportsmen, they can run with us in the fall of 2016 because our viewers have not seen that footage. Gotcha. It's still good stuff. All right. Well, that concludes our part one episode with Merrill Sport. Let's take a break, go grab a coffee, and come back, and we'll see you in part two. 